Hello and welcome to the newest episode of the Womb with a View podcast, powered by Campaign Life Coalition Youth, where we chat about all things pro-life in Canada. We're your hosts, Maeve and Kim. And today we have a really interesting episode planned for you. Um, We're actually going to be reading through some comments that we've received on our various social media platforms, which by the way, if you aren't already following us, um, you can follow us on all platforms, including Instagram, Twitter, or X, TikTok, um, Facebook, and YouTube at CLC Youth Pro-Life on all platforms. Um, and check out some of the the content that we we create over there. Um, but today we're going to be going through some comments that we receive on these various platforms, um, specifically pro-choice comments. Um, and we're going to kind of respond to them and also just let you know what sort of things are being said on our page um, and what sort of responses we get to our pro-life messaging on social media. Um, so first and foremost, we have a comment that was found on our TikTok. Um, so this comment reads, what about circumstances where the lady cannot have the baby? Pro-choice gives women the choice. They are not forced to have an abortion. However, pro-life means that all women are forced into the one bracket where they have to give birth, end quote. So This is a really, really common argument, Um, this idea that pro-lifers and pro-life laws force women to give birth. And this idea sort of betrays the mistaken premise of the pro-abortion case, which is that they believe that sex without any consequences is a fundamental right. Um, And this is sort of bolstered ultimately by a right to kill any child who may come into being solely as the result of a freely chosen sexual activity. So children, in other words, they have to face lethal consequences in order to enable adults to have sex without taking responsibility. Um, And in a very literal sense, unless a pregnant woman miscarries or has an abortion, pregnancy will naturally end in giving birth. That's how the process works. Um, But it's not illogical and deceptive to claim that abortion restrictions therefore force birth. Um, Abortion restrictions don't require women to give birth. Instead, they require women um, or pregnant women not to prevent birth by killing their unborn child. Um, It's pretty simple, but not to mention abortion itself is the, it's the forceful dilation of the woman's cervix and the subsequent tearing of the fetus from the womb of his or her mother. So if anything, abortion is the forceful killing and excavation of a living fetus. Um, often in pieces, depending on um, how far along the woman is in her pregnancy and how developed the baby is. But natural birth is a much more slow, controlled, and almost melodic process. There's nothing invasive or forceful about it. Um, And it's just a woman's body doing its thing. And her body is designed for birth. But that's not to say that all women, by virtue of their biology, are obligated to give birth. In those instances, abstinence is the most ethical and healthy response to not desiring children. And 
Not to mention, no one owes women sex without consequences. You do not have the right to kill another human being, regardless. So the next comment is, Babes, you have no right over someone else's body. Every person has the right to choose what to do with their own body, including abortion. And they aren't able to support the baby if and they aren't able to support the baby once they're born. It's the most humane and right option. So I don't think killing a child is ever the most humane option. There are certainly several other options that can be done. There are millions of families on the wait list to adopt children right now. So the most humane option, if a woman doesn't want to take care of her own offspring, is to put it up for adoption. And I think a lot of people conflate um, the adoption system with the foster care system. So children only end up in the foster care system if a mother does not want to relinquish her parental rights or if something happened to the mother if their parents are in jail so it is extremely rare for a newborn baby that was put up for adoption to end up in foster care because it would mean that was something was wrong with the adoptive parents and the adoption agencies usually do a very thorough job to do background checks on people taking in children so mm -hmm. another thing is that you don't have the right to kill another child inside your body. Um, we all have the right to choose to do certain things, but we never have the choice to kill someone. So this comment is just um, a little funny because you don't have the right to kill someone and it is never humane to have an abortion. Yeah, I mean, I think it's interesting, like this idea of whether or not abortion is humane or, you know, what the most humane option is when a woman is pregnant and doesn't want to be like that that certainly doesn't warrant um someone to kill another human being there's nothing humane about killing there's nothing humane about abortion because we know how violent it is how invasive it is how destructive it is um mm -hmm. so this idea of something being humane or abortion being humane or the right choice um it has nothing to do with whether or not it's humane for the fetus it's all about what's humane for the pregnant woman um and so it may seem like the more humane option to sort of just alleviate her responsibility to care for this for the child in her womb um but ultimately abortion is not humane and there are better options as you mentioned like adoption um or even just like receiving more support having having access to crisis pregnancy centers um, there are humane ways to sort of alleviate the suffering surrounding pregnancy in terms of like financial issues or like emotional issues. There's humane ways to deal with those those instances of suffering, but it's never humane to actually end that child's life. So, yeah, it's really interesting. But I do think it's funny how a lot of our comments on our social media pages start with like, babe. Or like they just like <laughs> it's very like it's very condescending, I find. Yeah. Like this way of responding to us. It's not like an intellectual response. Mm -hmm. It's never like, you know, this is my position, this is what I think, this is why you're wrong, or this is why I disagree. It's always just like babes, like you're, you know, you're just off base here, yeah. you know. Um, but without actually providing any sense of of argument. And I think it's sort of like diminishes any sort of um i don't know intellectual 
respect that we would have for these people because mm-hmm. of the way in which they convey themselves and conduct themselves in our comment section. Um, so another comment we received, this one I find really interesting. So they said, preborn children is the funniest phrase I've ever heard. So we use this term a lot, preborn children. The pro-life movement uses this term a lot. Um, and we use this phrase to describe the preborn, the unborn, so embryos and fetuses. Um, and I think in many ways, it sort of humanizes them. It's sort of a counter to the methods in which the um, biological terms like embryo or zygote or fetus have been bastardized to dehumanize the babies that are developing in the wombs of his or her mother. Um, and we often hear pro-choice people say things like, you know, it's not a baby, it's just a fetus. And this is something that the pro-abortion movement does quite well, implementing euphemism and sort of changing language to convey this sort of sterilized or medicalized vision of what abortion is, um, and conveying that to the public so that it becomes more palatable to people. Um, Mm -hmm. So, for example, like stating that abortion is a medical procedure that you know, only terminates a pregnancy and removes a fetus. Um, So using terminology like that, it's all euphemism to guise the inhumanity and the violence of abortion. Um, Mm -hmm. And not to mention, you know, in in our terms, you know, pro-life terminology, preborn child, um, it's not necessarily inaccurate either. So us using preborn children, preborn child um, Mm -hmm. is, you know, describes and further humanizes the preborn because the unborn are indeed the offspring of two parents so therefore that makes them children and they are children that are yet to be born um mm-hmm. so this is sort of how that how that phrase has come to be so preborn child they're a a child offspring who are yet to be born um so it's pretty accurate um maybe yeah. not as scientific mm-hmm. as like the developmental um phrases or um, terminology like fetus or embryo but it upholds their human dignity by using this kind of language so that's why we use it um mm-hmm. and maybe it's funny i don't know why it's funny i guess maybe because um i don't know being pro-life is like this this like embarrassing hilarious thing that a lot of young people it's like culturally become this sort of like i don't know like I think in a lot of ways, the media has done a good job of conveying the pro-life position as something that's like embarrassing, outdated, dinosaur. You know, we're sort of like just like these religious fanatics, like we're just kind of crazy. And I think they, the media does a good job of conveying us in that way. So when we use terminology that humanizes the pre-born, you know, it's like this hilarious joke. It's so funny. Um, and I find that disturbing, like... <laughs> conveying preborn children as children is somehow this like hilarious thing and so i i don't think there's anything funny about that phrase neither do i and the dictionary definition of child is just a human being below the legal age of majority so Mm -hmm. to say an unborn child (laughs) is a child it is because a zygote a fetus an embryo they are all children that are just human beings that are below the legal age of majority so Mm -hmm. the next comment says they are not alive they are not human take a science class first Mm 
So I would love to see a science textbook, a biology textbook that does not affirm that life begins at fertilization. I would love to see a science textbook that disagrees with our stance. So I just, I think this comment is also very funny because from the moment of fertilization, that determines your hair color, your eye color, your sex, everything about you. Like that instant determines your whole genetic DNA. So they, if you have two human parents, you're obviously going to have a human offspring. There's no possible way that a human beings can reproduce anything but a human. And there is no point from conception until birth that we are anything besides a human being. Yeah, exactly. It's really simple. Like the the biological case for um the preborn being human is really easily laid out. Like the it it's very simple. Um and oftentimes like I find when we're having conversations with pro-choice people on the street, more times than not, they agree that the preborn or, you know, a fetus or a zygote an embryo um they are alive they affirm that biologically yeah they they are alive or maybe they biologically belong to the human species but more so the challenge that a lot of pro-choice people have with the pro-life position um references either you know personhood maybe personhood doesn't begin at conception personhood is not um defined as you know being human is not sufficient mm-hmm. for being a person mm-hmm. um and also, you know, bodily autonomy. So I find like we don't get these comments as often. I find we don't we don't get people negating that the preborn are not alive. That was something that was more so prevalent maybe like a few years ago or, you know, in the 90s or something. Um, but I find now the majority of pro-choicers do affirm that the preborn are alive or that they belong to the human species, but they they are just not considered persons under the law. Or that you know the bodily autonomy of women trumps the um autonomy and the life of the growing mm-hmm. human being in her womb so um yeah this is just kind of a silly comment and i find we get a lot of comments um that are supposed to just sort of be like one liners but they don't actually explain or elaborate on their position and i think that's sort of what happens online like um although it can be a good place for discourse in certain arenas i think oftentimes you know it's not like online conversations and debates and discussions aren't always super fruitful because people can just say whatever they want and they don't actually have to you know look somebody in the eye and have a conversation with them like a real conversation so it becomes more of this like satirical i don't know like people just throw out these one-liners and expect that to be a sufficient response Mm -hmm. so sort of to like contextualize where these comments are coming from we create videos um on social media like pro-life apologetic videos where we either respond to comments in the similar way that we're doing now um to sort of like break them down to their bare bones and then responding to the arguments at hand um or we just create like general pro-life apologetic videos where we um convey our position or respond to various um, arguments. So videos like these are are effective for reaching people because we can sort of lay out our entire position in one video 
and then people can either you know accept it or um or not but at least we get to fully elaborate our position instead of just like tweeting one sentence like that's not necessarily going to be sufficient for changing people's minds Mm -hmm. so these videos like our goal is to be able to reach people online especially on platforms like tiktok where you know the pro-abortion position is like very prevalent and a lot of young people like gen zers have already Mm -hmm. adopted that position as early as like 10 because there's really young kids on there Mm -hmm. um so that's sort of our goal with social media but Mm -hmm. Anyways, that's sort of more of a tangent. Um, so another comment reads, abortion is healthcare. Abortion is a private matter. We will never give up our right to healthcare. Good try though, sweetheart. So once again, we have that like condescending addition of like some sort of like t- supposed term of endearment, but it's sort of been like altered to become condescending, yes. um, which isn't really, you know, making a point. But nonetheless, this comment is is like super common. This is sort of like a prime example of the sort of comments that we receive on our social media and is what I mean by people just, um, you know, articulating these like parroted slogans that have been perpetuated by the abortion industry. So to sort of reiterate my previous point, the abortion industry is implementing language to sterilize and medicalize abortion which they've been very successful at in many ways because abortion is seen as equivalent to a healthcare procedure. Abortion is healthcare. Mm-hmm. Um, abortion is a private matter. It should be between a woman and her doctor. Um, and while we know that abortion is actually antithetical to healthcare because healthcare does not involve the deliberate destruction of human life. In fact, it's the inverse the um, upholding of human dignity, the upholding of human life, the desire to um, care for and treat illness um, and to restore people's health holistically. Um, And so abortion does the opposite of that because not only does it violently invade a woman's body and kill that child developing in her womb, but it Mm -hmm. also negatively impacts women. So in terms of mental health, um, we know that there's a plethora of, you know, post-abortion syndrome symptoms. So things like um, increased risk of um, substance abuse, turning to drugs and alcohol post-abortion to cope with the pain of, you know, losing your child. There's nothing psychologically neutral about that. Um, and also, um other forms of mental health disorders like depression, anxiety, um, you know, social anxiety, being afraid to, you know, go out in public, and then also the slew of um, post-abortion physical um, effects as well. So things like um, uterine perforation or infertility issues because of scarring on the uterus, um, all kinds of things. So we know that abortion is antithetical to healthcare. It's very evident. Um, And Although it may be true that, you know, in certain ways it's becoming more of this private matter, especially with the abortion pill, you know, women are are ordering this pill online or going to their pharmacist, picking up this pill, going back to their house, taking this pill in secret, mm-hmm. um, 
so that nobody knows. There's this push to make abortion more of a private matter so that you don't have to actually consult your doctor. Um, you can just, you know, go to Shoppers Drug Mart and pick up a, an abortion pill, or you can go on a website, order it online to your house. You don't even have to leave. You can, you know, kill your child in the comfort of your own home. So mm-hmm. there is a desire to privatize abortion, make it more secretive in order to, you know, protect women from the shame and the stigma of killing your preborn child, which should exist because mm-hmm. killing your, your baby is not something that should, should be private. Um, it should be something that's stigmatized. It should be something that's, um, you know, viewed negatively by society. And that's not to say that we should isolate women who are post-abortive. We don't want those women to feel like they are alone. In fact, we should be reaching out to women who are in those circumstances Mm -hmm. through means of like pregnancy care centers, trying to um, meet them where they are and support them in their pregnancy. Right. But there should exist some sort of stigma surrounding abortion. Um, so, yeah, like there's this talk, you know, we're never going to give up our right to health care. Mm-hmm. Um, and while certainly we do have a right to health care um, as Canadians, you have a um, certain rights that protect you in instances where, you know, you're you're in some sort of crisis. You know, if you're having a heart attack or something, mm-hmm. you should be able to go to a hospital and be treated for it regardless of, you know, who you are, your financial status, right. so on and so forth. Um, however, abortion is not healthcare. It's antithetical to healthcare, despite the fact that it has been medicalized and it is performed in hospitals in Canada. Yes. So that's sort of my two cents on yeah. that. <laughs> so our next comment is, BFFR skull emoji like you do realize you're taking away your own rights right skull emoji crying face so like we've said before um, abortion is not a right there is no right to abortion in Canada in fact the Charter of Rights and Freedoms says that there is a right to life so Mm -hmm. we're not taking away anyone's rights we don't want to take away human rights from anyone we want to give human rights to all human beings we believe that life is sacred and should be protected from conception until natural death so in fact we want to give more human beings human rights and not take away anyone's right yeah exactly it's pretty simple Mm -hmm. um well there's this whole idea that like being women um because we're women we should be pro-choice so it's sort of confusing to people when they meet pro-life women because I mean, often we get the response that we're just trying to appease men um, Mm -hmm. because they have this idea that it's mostly men who are pro-life, which there are certainly lots of pro-life men. But, you know, being involved in the movement, there's so many women who are involved um, at all levels in all areas. So there's this idea that, you know, because we're women, it's confusing to them that we are pro-life because we're we're trying to, you know, infringe on our own bodily autonomy, on our own reproductive rights. Mm-hmm. and it it doesn't make sense because it's we don't have a right to abortion um and and we see the humanity of the preborn we want to uphold their humanity and we see abortion as a human rights injustice so you know we're standing up for the rights of preborn girls um yeah. and preborn human beings so but i understand that's sort of like a confusing phenomenon for pro choicers because you know by virtue of our gender um, or our sex, rather, you know, we should be, we should be pro-choice. Um, so another comment reads, which means men would be entitled to more rights than women, 
I think they're referring to, you know, being being pro-life. Mm-hmm. Um, stop bringing religion into politics. So this is something that we hear constantly, this idea that like Christian nationalism is on the rise, which is why, um, you know, abortion rights are being overturned, specifically in the U.S. This isn't this isn't entirely an issue in Canada, although we are seeing um, similar comments in the media mm-hmm. that this like idea of Christian nationalism, especially with our recent um you know, protests that have that have been happening um, in support of parental rights. Um, this idea that somehow our worldview should not influence our democratic decisions. Mm-hmm. Um, and the reality is that every single person's worldview has an impact on their um, democratic decisions, i.e. voting. Um, because even atheists or Satanists or, you know, people who are, you know, unsure of of their religious views, all of those worldviews influence your decisions to vote. And we know this is evident, but for whatever reason, Christians are being pushed to the wayside. They're told, you know, your your voice should not be included in any democratic decision because they don't like it. But the reality is that in a, in a, in a dem- democratic system and a democratic society, you know, we have tons of different people of different backgrounds, different faiths, different ideologies, worldviews, and religions. Um, and those ideas will influence how we vote um, mm-hmm. and how we organize society. And that's how it should be. It should be a coming together of people, regardless of what your your viewpoint is, what your stance is, um, and making decisions for the better of society. Mm-hmm. Or, or the worse, you know, that's sort of just how it happens, how it works out. Um, so, you know, ideally we'd be living in a country, you know, being a Catholic, um, I ideally would like to live in a country that reflects my values as a Catholic, you know, upholding human dignity and human rights, mm-hmm. um, ensuring that, you know, people are properly cared for, all of these things, um, you know, but that may not be the reality given you know the at the average voter is not necessarily christian or catholic and so you know all of our worldviews have an impact on our democratic decisions so being a pro-lifer i'm only going to support politicians who um reflect my values because i should do that you should only vote for people who are reflective of your values the kind of leader that you'd want to um have <laughs> Um, represent you in the political sphere and that's how voting works you know you vote for the candidate that best reflects your values Um, and so personally I would only vote for someone who's pro-life because of my work because of um, my 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 own worldview um, and how and my priorities as well Mm -hmm. however an atheist may not vote for a pro-life person because that I mean although there are pro-life atheists the majority of atheists would not support the pro-life position they don't see the pre-born as human and therefore abortion is not a priority for them in terms of eradicating it but maybe on the inverse they are pro-choice and so they would want to vote for someone who is pro-choice who would represent their values so they would vote for someone who i would not vote for so i think this is just how democracy works people get to have a say in terms of who is going to represent them politically Mm -hmm. um and unfortunately, you know, things don't always work out in our favor mm-hmm. because we live in a society that's so diverse. Yeah. Um, 
And so, yeah, ideally, it would be great to have a system that reflects Christian values, that upholds human life and human dignity. But because of our political makeup, I don't see that as a reality right now um, and maybe not even in the near future either. Yeah, it's just really sad because I pers- I too would never vote for someone pro-choice. Like if a candidate has 100 issues that I care about and they agree with me on all of them except for abortion, I'm still not going to vote for them because at the end of the day, it is just a deal breaker for me. I cannot support someone that wouldn't enact legal protection for the unborn or wouldn't support my values because I I just want someone that has the same values as me. And that's why we living in a democracy we get the right to vote for whoever we want to vote for yeah um so another comment is well either way a miscarriage would be considered manslaughter this comment is really sad because as pro-lifers we grieve the loss of a miscarriage with a, a woman because we know that it's heartbreaking we know that these are often very wanted children and they are grieving a loss and there are no pro-life laws that would Um, make the treatment for miscarriage illegal there are Mm -hmm. some treatments for miscarriage that have the same name as the uh, an abortion procedure but the difference is when you're doing those miscarriage treatments the child has already passed away Mm -hmm. so with the abortion you are intentionally killing the child but with a miscarriage the child has already lost their life and they're just treating the woman so that she doesn't go into septic shock so that she can just be healthy so this comment is just really mean, I think, because it just diminishes a woman that has had a miscarriage, her feelings. And it just, I want to know how many women that have had miscarriages and have had treatment for those miscarriages and now think that they've had an abortion, because I want them to know that they did not have an abortion and that their loss is valid. They're allowed to grieve the loss of their child. Yeah, exactly. Um, And just to clarify, like when you talk about abortion or miscarriage treatments, um the reason why it gets conflated so oftentimes a a dne is performed following um a miscarriage sometimes and um is also utilized in abortion and what dne is is it stands for dilation and evacuation mm-hmm. and so in certain instances um you know if a woman's far along in her pregnancy and she's experiencing a miscarriage she's bleeding a lot but she's not able to expel the baby on her own. Perhaps the child is, um, you know, already dead in inside of her uterus um, and she, you know, her body is not naturally expelling the child. Um, she would have to undergo a dilation and evacuation in order to prevent her from going into sepsis. Um, whereas with abortion, the DNE, the dilation and evacuation is utilized, but the difference is that that preborn child has to be violently killed first or delivered in pieces. So the woman's dilated and then they have to remove the fetus. But the difference is that during miscarriage, the fetus has already passed away and has to be removed from the body of his or her mother. Otherwise, she could go into septic shock. And abortion is the fetus is still alive and the woman's dilated, but then they have to remove the baby in parts. So that like, yeah, the terminology is the same, but the um the purpose and the um the reality is different. The the state of the of the preborn child is different. So one is already passed away and one is still alive. Yeah. 
Um, so another another comment here says abortion is having a medical procedure as you are not consenting to host a human life in your body, even if it will die without you. So this one's interesting um, and is oftentimes used um, frequently as well. So this is that is exactly why you have an obligation to the developing baby in your uterus, because they will, in fact, die without your care, your nutrients, your shelter that you're providing to them through the placenta, through existing inside of your body. So it's really strange to me that unlike other instances of parental obligation and child protection, the pro-choice movement has the ability to utilize arguments to defend the surrendering of parental obligation to children in their care that would mm-hmm. never be permitted in any other circumstance. Mm-hmm. So, for example, let's say that um, a parent says, you know, I'm tired of caring for my toddler, you know, buying them food, making them meals, washing them, giving them shelter is just, it's too straining and exhausting. Mm-hmm. I no longer consent to caring for them, even if they'll die without me. Mm-hmm. Um, because obviously a toddler cannot survive on their own. Mm-hmm. So, The societal response to such a statement would warrant some sort of intervention to remove that child from the parent's care or would just issue some sort of court order that would require the parent to care for their child. Mm -hmm. Um, So the reality is you can't just forfeit your obligation as a parent to meet the basic needs of your child. So why is this considered acceptable in the case of abortion? Mm -hmm. Perhaps it's the hiddenness of the fetus, the fact that they're not you know, outside of the womb, you can't see the the child suffering. Um, so perhaps it's also, you know, during pregnancy, you're meeting the basic needs of your child by allowing him or her to develop in your womb. Um, the only place in which they can actually survive and you're providing them with the nutrients, the shelter, the time to develop. Mm-hmm. And while a pregnant woman wouldn't be obligated to meet the extraordinary needs of her child, just like, you know, a parent wouldn't be obligated to um, you know, meet the extraordinary needs of their born child. So for example, in the case of the pregnant woman, you know, taking super expensive prenatal vitamins would be considered extraordinary care and is not necessary. Mm-hmm. Um, she is obligated to meet the basic needs of her child. Otherwise they will die. That's the re- the reality. Yeah. And our uterus exists solely for the purpose of our preborn child. A woman can survive without our uterus. So a child absolutely has the right to develop where they're supposed to be. So, yeah. Um, The next comment is from Abortion Rights Coalition. So we tagged them in a post and they said, thanks for the tag. Just dropping in here since you invited us. It is in fact safe in parentheses. Abortion pill is safer than penicillin and Viagra. And abortion does not cause cancer or affect your ability to get pregnant in the future. And leap and legal, protected under the Canada Health Act and is a human right to get an abortion. And we encourage you all to make the, whatever choices about and for your body and reproductive health that make the most sense to you. We recognize that your autonomy and any reason to get an abortion is the right one. So there's just a lot to unpack here because the abortion pill is unsafe. And I want to clarify that before I go into the areas that abortion is unsafe, that we are against the abortion pill because it intentionally kills a child. Mm-hmm. The abortion pill starves an em- a child and then kills them. However, there are it is unsafe as well for a woman to ha- take the abortion pill. For example, if a woman just takes a pregnancy test, she finds out she's pregnant and she can order the abortion pill online, never has to meet with a doctor, 
say she has she is anemic and she doesn't know how much blood she's going to lose during this taking this pill and she's has no warning so she doesn't know when she's sitting at home by herself how much blood loss is too much and that could result in an, an emergency trip to the hospital and say a woman takes a pregnancy test sign, finds out that she's like eight weeks pregnant and then she has never gone to a doctor to do an ultrasound and she has an ectopic pregnancy so the abortion pill is not approved as a treatment for the for an ectopic pregnancy and if she takes that pill and she starts bleeding because she expects that that's what's just supposed to happen when you take the abortion pill, she could eventually die because that ectopic pregnancy could have ruptured. So there mm-hmm. are several instances where the abortion pill can hurt women. And that is very dangerous. But I want to emphasize that we are against the abortion pill because it intentionally kills a child. Um, there is no legal right to abortion in Canada. It is just decriminalized. In 1988, the... Supreme Court met with met regarding the RV Morgenthaler case, and it just decriminalized all abortion. So there is no right to abortion. There is a right to life in Canada, and it is not a human right to kill your child. It is a human right to have the right to life. So we just encourage women to choose life for their baby, to reach out to crisis pregnancy centers, to get the help that they need, because... We never mm-hmm. want anyone to have an abortion. We want them to know that there are resources available to be able to help them in certain circumstances. Exactly. Um, and I should mention, for anyone who isn't aware, the Abortion Rights Coalition is the, I guess, the Abortion Rights Coalition of Canada, um, or we usually refer to them as ARC, A-R-C-C, is um, a Canadian pro-abortion organization. So their their entire objective is to ensure that women have full reproductive rights, meaning they can have an abortion for any reason um, at any point in pregnancy up until the moment of birth. So this is a pretty notoriously bad organization, um, arguably evil, because they advocate for the killing of preborn children. Um, But it is interesting to me that in this comment, you know, they have this emphasis on this idea that there is a legal right to abortion, Um, When the reality is you should know as a pro-abortion organization that there isn't one. Um, And as you mentioned, Kim, like the only thing that the 1988 R.V. Morgenthaler case established was that abortion was decriminalized. So we're kind of in this no man's land of legislation, meaning that there's no right to abortion, but there's also but also abortion is permitted under the law. So there's just there's no there's no restrictions on abortion, but there's also no legal right. It's just sort of allowed Mm -hmm. um, and allowed up until birth and in our criminal code it states that the pre-born are not considered or you're not considered a person until you've fully emerged from the birth canal of your mother Um, and so that means that even if that baby at birth still has a pinky toe inside of his or her mother it would be legal to kill that child because of the fact that they are still residing within the body of his or her mother to some degree. They haven't fully emerged. So we're in a really disturbing place in Canada right now. Um, and we have been for, you know, over 30 years. Um, and so, you know, as an organization, the Abortion Rights Coalition, you know, they exist solely to protect this so-called right to abortion that doesn't actually exist. Um, so I just think that's interesting. But um Something I do want to kind of touch on, this isn't exactly like um, 
a comment that we did receive this one comment and we've received different like articulations of it but i find it really interesting this idea of loving abortion and like yeah. abortion philia so you know we got this comment on on our tiktok page that says i love abortion and that's that's all it said um but we get comments like that fairly often and we get lots of responses like that when we're doing street activism you know people walking by and saying that they you know they love abortion you know um abortion's their favorite um you know they'll say things like that um and there's almost this satirical attitude towards abortion especially among gen z Mm -hmm. um the sort of feigning love for abortion while also promoting the concept that you know no one likes abortion that abortion isn't an easy decision um and I think more broadly, our generation has a hard time with conceptualizing severity. Mm-hmm. Um, there are certain issues that should not be taken lightheartedly, especially abortion, especially the destruction of innocent human life. Um, and claiming that you love abortion is intellectually dishonest in a lot of ways, especially in light of women's post-abortion suffering. We know that you know people who make statements like that, they don't actually mean it. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not it's not a genuine statement. They're not saying that they love abortion because they do actually love the killing of preborn children. It's more so just this like need to be really cruel and crude and disgusting. Mm-hmm. You know, people making comments like that because well, they know that it upsets us because we see abortion as a human rights injustice and because we are holding these images of aborted fetuses, you know, yeah. the victims of abortion, these poor innocent children that have lost their lives to abortion. We're holding these images on the street, and people will come up to us and say things like, "Oh, you know, that looks really tasty," mm-hmm. um, or "You know, I love abortion," or "I love that. That looks like super fun." Mm-hmm. Um, and it's just such a slap in the face to these children. You know, on these images, on these signs that we're holding, you can see their faces. Yeah, you can see their noses, their mouths, their their eyelids. You know, you can see that these children are somebodies. They're not no one. They're not just a clump of tissue. Like, you can see that these are persons. These are tiny humans. Their little arms, their little legs, their small body parts, their little faces, their heads. You know, you can see them. They're mm-hmm. they're there. They're real. Um, and the ability for somebody to see an image like that, you can see the face of this child who was brutally killed mm-hmm. and then to proceed to make some sort of like satirical passing comment about how you love abortion about how you know that child looks tasty um is just psychologically demented beyond comprehension Mm -hmm. um and i think that's the most disturbing form of comments that we get is comments like that where people mention their love for abortion or you know their love for aborted fetuses or saying that they love to eat babies or whatever like people make all these really disgusting crude comments and i think the whole point is that you know the abortion industry is treating or you know teaching people that we should be desensitized to abortion to this degree that it's okay to be disgusting and crude and have this like completely disturbing vision or view of abortion um, and so I have a really hard time with comments like these because it's so disturbing. Um, it's like, how can you look at this this baby who was brutally killed, whose you know limbs were torn off of their body, whose skull was crushed, um, 
just like the most evil possible things you can do to a human being a tiny little innocent human being a baby mm-hmm. um the most innocent among us and seeing this image of its brutalized body mm-hmm. and thinking that and just not having any sort of emotion towards it not having any sort of like emotional response or reaction or compassion for that child i think that is the most disturbing thing um that we encounter so yeah. you know throw your comments my way you know you could say say whatever you want say that you know bodily autonomy should supersede like the bodily autonomy of women, of women should supersede that of the fetus you know my body my choice you know abortion is okay in the case of rape like you can make any sort of argument you want but i draw the line at people making disturbing comments towards um the fetus in particular saying that that child looks tasty or that they love abortion or that abortion's great while we're holding these signs um and even on social media in general if we're not utilizing abortion victim photography it's still disturbing yeah so yeah it's just it just really bothers me because I think they're lying to themselves. I think that they just have to tell themselves that they love abortion because deep down, I think even pro-choicers know that there's something wrong with abortion. I remember seeing a tweet yeah. from Justin Trudeau. It was several years old, but it came back recently. And he said, does anyone that is pro-choice, even as I am, like abortion? I don't think anyone likes abortion. So I, it's just this... Like, how can you cannot not connect the dots that if you don't like something, if it's not lovable, then why is it okay to do? And we just need them to acknowledge that the reason that you don't like abortion is because it kills a child. And mm-hmm. that's not something that should ever be okay. So I think that they just have to lie to themselves and tell themselves that they love abortion to be able to have that stance. I agree. Yeah. I mean, I think you have to be desensitized to it in order to promote it. Mm -hmm. Um, Because even like working in the pro-life movement, I find like we we sort of have to um, steal ourselves in a lot of ways to abortion. Like we sort of have to um, become desensitized to it in some ways, because I think if we were constantly imposed with the image of abortion or the um, the concept of abortion, you know, resting on us, working in this movement full time, you know, constantly thinking about, you know, 300 babies were killed today. Um, I think it would be really hard to actually do this work. It'd be really hard to, you know, continue on if we were constantly thinking about the severity of abortion and the detriment of it. And while in certain instances, it is good to reflect on it um, and to remind ourselves of why we're doing this work mm-hmm. and being reconfronted with it. Um, like I know recently for myself, um, I was just I was researching because we were having I was having a conversation with an individual online about abortion and um she I thought what better way to um you know sort of connect with her or like convey the the inhumanity of abortion to her than to um you know send her some abortion victim photography. Mm-hmm. Um Obviously, when I did that, I I put a warning on. I just sent a link. I didn't actually send a picture in the chat um, mm-hmm. just so that she could look at it if she was interested in in knowing what abortion looks like and what it does. Um, but while I was researching, I had to go on um, the Center for Bioethical Reform website. Um, mm-hmm. And they have this video on their website, the, you know, the first thing that you see when you click on it of, you know, an actual abortion taking place, an abortion video. Um, 
and seeing that is just so heartbreaking um and it just sort of like I really like thought about it for a few days afterwards um I mean I still think about it but I think it really caused me to reflect and remind myself of why I'm doing this work Mm -hmm. um because it becomes very mundane you know like and I'm sure we both know we sort of you know get in these motions of creating social media content and organizing our events and all this stuff um and I think it's easy to sort of be caught up in the mundane and mm-hmm. keep trekking on and forget about you know yeah. why we're doing this work so mm-hmm. it's good to like reconfront ourselves with it but ultimately I, I think you're right like people have to lie to themselves mm-hmm. um in order to in order to to continue on um and in order to accept that position and so I think satire and comedy is what people utilize to sort of like diminish the harshness and the brutality of abortion, um, which I think is interesting. But yeah, it's really disturbing. <laughs> yeah. Well, thank you so much for listening, everyone. I hope that you can join us next week. We'll be back with a new episode every Thursday. Yes. Now that we're back, um, we hope to be filming episodes every single week. Um, I know it's been like a year since we've been posting episodes, so we're back now. Things have just gotten crazy, so hopefully we can keep up this momentum um, and have a new episode for you every week. Um, And as mentioned previously, if you have any suggestions for our next episode for a show, if you'd like to be interviewed on our show, um, if you'd like us to respond to an argument or a a comment or something like that on our show or next episode, um, you can email us at youth at campaignlifecoalition.com or you can reach out to us on social media. As I mentioned, we are at CLC Youth Pro-Life on all platforms. Um, so reach out to us, connect with us. We'd love to chat. Um And we hope you all have a lovely day. We look forward to connecting with you next week. Thanks so much, everyone.